Hello, everyone. This is Gary Bean welcoming you to the LL Research Podcast in the Now, episode number 10. LL Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community. And towards this end has two websites the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. During each episode, those of us at LL Research form a panel to consider questions from spiritual seekers. Our panel consists of Jim McCarty, husband to the late Carla Ruckert, scribe for the Raw Contact, and president of LL Research, along with Austin Bridges and myself, who are working hard to keep the mission of LL Research alive and well, each of us a devoted seeker and student of the Law of One. We will be discussing questions that are sent to us from spiritual seekers around the globe. Our replies to these questions are not final and authoritative. Instead, they are generally subjective interpretations stemming from our own studies and life experiences. We intend this podcast to be a platform of discussion as we consider questions that often challenge us to articulate our own perspective. We always ask each who listens to exercise their own discernment and listen for their own resonance in determining what is true for them. If you would like to submit a question for this show, please do so. Our humble podcast relies on your questions. To do so, you may either send an email to contact at llresearch.org or go to www.llresearch.org slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Gary Bean, and we are embarking on a new episode of LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. Austin and Jim, are you on board on this uh, stupid human Kentucky day? <laughs> yes, we're ready to roll. I think so. All right. Um, in previous episodes, we have been tackling a series of questions from a friend of ours who asked to be anonymous for the podcast. And I think we are these our final two, Austin, for their questions? Uh, nope, there's a few more. (laughs) Okay, we're on numbers four and five, then, of Anonymous's questions. The first of which is... Come on, paper. Have any of you ever lived through so-called bad synchronicity? Or if you remember any other seeker writing you about such, that not only positive intuition and positive synchronicities can happen... At these times, at first I misidentified who I hear. Um, As Austin noted, we actually talked about a very similar question in episode number five um, pertaining to whether intuition can be uh, negative. Uh, So this questioner may want to uh, reference episode five as well for further information. So in replying, um, how about we start with you, Jim? What are your thoughts? Uh, I have a question. What exactly does he mean by bad synchronicity? Is this bad luck? or um, you, you, I was wondering the same thing. I wish we would have thought about that to ask him to clarify, but maybe we should all sort of give our own definition or guess at what bad synchronicity is so we have a better understanding of what we're talking about. Well, he's saying synchronicity, so apparently there's coming together some um, factors or experiences or thoughts that are out of the ordinary. Um, if I was thinking of good synchronicity, I would say, well, uh, something happened that I was thinking about or anticipating or had thought about earlier. Uh, maybe somebody mentioned something and all of a sudden there it was. So bad synchronicity, maybe um, somebody's talking about what could happen if you did such and such and you did such and such, and, but that's that. 
bad things happen. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, when uh, something happens to me that uh, I consider to be of an unlucky or unfortunate nature, I try to look at uh, how it got that way. And uh, sometimes I find that what I expect, if I'm afraid, you know, the fear thing usually brings on something like that. If I'm afraid that something might happen, I tend to bring it on. Like if I'm juggling and I'm thinking, well, let's see, can I do this move? And well, I don't know. And if there's doubt or fear, then it usually happens I, I bring it on. So in some regards, I think it's possible for both bad and good synchronicities for us to bring what we think might happen on by thinking about it or fearing it in the case of bad synchronicity. Uh, Gary, what do you think? <laughs> Mine is a long reply. Austin, what's your length? Medium. Medium, <laughs> medium well? Or? <laughs> yeah, about medium well. A little pink in the center. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll, we'll sort then by size in this case. And um, okay. Austin, your medium reply can be up to bat next, and then I'll go. Okay. Well, it could probably be a pretty quick medium reply anyways. Um, I'm assuming that our anonymous questioner is referring to, similar to what Jim was saying, kind of bad luck or maybe a confluence of events that seems to uh, be an experience, a negative experience. And I kind of got the sense that Anonymous was hinting that these might be influenced by negative entities. I wasn't sure exactly what he meant by, uh, at these times at first I misidentified who I hear, but I'm assuming he's talking about intuition and that the intuition that he hears is not coming from a positive source. And so that was my approach to the question. Not sure if it's relevant to what he is thinking about, but maybe it might be of some use to somebody. Um, I don't think that the universe necessarily conspires to only deliver positive experiences to us. Not all of the coincidences or, uh, sort of intuitive pulls that we feel are going to lead us straight into a happy situation because that wouldn't be very conducive to growth. We wouldn't experience much catalyst for growth in that situation. So I think that we and our higher selves and whatever else sort of brings events into formation does so out of necessity for us to learn and polarize and advance spiritually but I do feel it's maybe within the possibility that these things can be encouraged by a negative influence, maybe attempting to knock us off of our path or uh, something like that, uh, tempt us in a certain direction that might depolarize us. But I think that dealing with these situations, it would be the same, whether it is negative due to an external influence or negative due to our internal workings and our internal catalyst. And uh, the way that I think uh, the, a good way to deal with that is to bless the circumstances that have created this catalyst for you and then uh, contemplate and meditate and attempt to find the source of the distortion that allowed this negative catalyst that is causing you to experience this catalyst as negative. Uh, Ra explains at various points that negative entities can only influence us to the extent of our pre-existing distortions, and we wouldn't be experiencing negative catalyst if we didn't have some sort of distortions towards that catalyst. So... 
these synchronicities, this negative intuition, it might just be highlighting certain distortions that we then have an ability to have a clearer picture of and we can address more directly with this aid of sort of this elevated emotional feedback. And so in that sense, I'd say bad synchronicities or negative intuition are can be a blessing. And if you approach them as a blessing and as a gift for growth, then I think they can serve that purpose very well. And that's my answer. On to you, Gary. You guys both highlighted um, factors of responsibility and interpretation, and I've incorporated uh, both of those as well into my own reply. Um, And I started out with Jim's question by uh, attempting to tackle what anonymous means by bad synchronicity. And I just assume that the questioner is referencing a series of events in his life that seem to have gone bad, perhaps catastrophically so, or perhaps, as the word synchronicity um, indicates, peculiar, <laughs> peculiarly so. Um, have I personally experienced this? I would say I've experienced events that have a ring of synchronicity and have a feeling of being negative. Um, however, my own experience points to what I think is at the heart of the matter of so-called bad synchronicity, and that is the function of interpretation. I think the term bad synchronicity implies that synchronicity or oddly connected events in one's life have been interpreted uh, negatively. And on that point, I don't know, but I don't think our guidance system or the universe at large communicates messages of fear, doom, or hopelessness, or anything that might be perceived as threatening. That's not to say that we might not receive a nugget of information regarding a future undesirable outcome, which can be avoided through present course corrections. But I don't think that our guidance guidance system delivers negative synchronicity. I think that it's strictly our own very subjective interpretation of Catalyst. Certainly an other self, whether incarnate or discarnate, can send a negatively inspired message designed to invoke fear or anger or hatred or separation. But we ultimately are the own authors of our experience. So that whatever happens to us, whether those of negative ilk Um, whatever those of negative ilk seek to do to us, uh, we always have the power to interpret our catalyst. The only time we don't have that power is when, through whatever combination of circumstance, we relinquish that power. Um, Consider this beauty from Ra. In 95.24, Ra says, uh, The seeker which has purely chosen the service to others' path shall certainly not have a variant apparent incarnational experience. Meaning um, everything that happens, happens as a function of their free will, of their path, and is meaningful and is working for that entity and is probably tied to their, their ultimate plan. But anyways, I continue. There is no outward shelter in your illusion from the gust, flurries, and blizzards of quick and cruel catalysts. However, to the pure, all that is encountered speaks of the love and the light of the one infinite creator. The cruelest blow is seen with an ambiance of challenges offered and opportunities to come. Thusly, the great pitch of light is held high above such an one so that all interpretation may be seen to be protected by light. 
So I'm in the latter quarter of my reply, and I would like to examine this statement to ascertain what, then, is the clearest, highest, best, most real interpretation of catalyst, if that can be made into general terms. Uh, Ra combines two phrases, quote, ambiance of challenges offered and opportunities to come, end quote to indicate how the purely positively oriented entity interprets catalyst, which includes this so-called category of bad synchronicity. In the first of those two phrases, Ra says that catalyst is interpreted in the context of challenges offered. I take this to mean that we can look at the difficult circumstance as a challenge to engage our discipline, invoke faith, own our will, double our resolve to love and accept and to learn, and to seek the truth. And what is a challenge but an opportunity? As in the second of the two phrases, Ra says, we can see catalyst as offering opportunities to come. Meaning each moment and each circumstance and each event offers an opportunity for deeper self-realization and service and growth, and that includes bad synchronicity, if you if you want to use that label. Uh, And in conclusion, Ra describes a universe that is basically and always not against but for us. When we become conscious of this, when we begin to take responsibility for our lives, we empower and accelerate our progress and we begin to cooperate with the universe and, keyword, use the material that life provides us in order to learn, grow, and serve, including bad synchronicity. Kind of sounds like fruit that's gone bad or vegetables that have gone bad. Bad synchronicity. (laughs) Um, And I would like another shot at saying (laughs) the word peculiarly. I think that's the best I'm going to get it today. You got it. Tongue twister. Um, Austin or Jim, do you guys have any further thoughts to offer that question? Um, I was just thinking about what Ra had to say about the biorhythms. Um, I was recording that the other day, and apparently the biorhythms are astrologically influenced. And when Don was asking about the value of being able to, say, as a magician, attempt to use uh, the magical practices in synchronicity with the um, astrological forecast, Ra suggested, well, the uh, astrological uh, information is helpful in that it shows you the wide places in the road, shall we say, where it's more easily traveled. And it also shows you those narrower places, that the, the retrograde motions in places where maybe it's not so easy to get through, but that it is uh, well done if you're just able to continue on your journey without too much distress or undue concern about those retrograde moments. So I think, again, that just like you quoted, Gary, uh, for the one who is uh, positively oriented and holds that pitch of light high above one, that you can look at whatever happens to you as um, something that is helpful in your journey because you can interpret how you want to look at it and how you want to feel about it and, and what you do about it. Uh, or you could uh, you know, climb up in a shell somewhere and, and, and say, I'm not going to play anymore. <laughs> Take your ball and bat and go home. <laughs> but uh, I think it's probably... Uh, a good idea to try to take the positive point of view. Just like uh, Austin said, if we didn't have these challenges coming our way, um, we wouldn't learn so much. And another thing that Ross said was that so much of the learning that happens here in third density is learning by trauma. That when we're really pressed by outer circumstances and catalysts, then we see 
in the spontaneous response of the moment what we're really made of and where it is we want to go if we're not where we want to be. So that's it. Austin, you have anything more? Yeah, a couple of things. You mentioned the biorhythms, and I was actually kind of imagining when we were talking about this negative synchronicity kind of indicating a sine wave of experience, similar to biorhythms, where things might be at the very bottom could be when we experience a confluence of uh, seemingly negative events. And then going back to the top might be the positive synchronicity. So I suppose, you know, I think this is a common concept in general culture and our cultural mind because we have phrases like when it rains, it pours. So I think uh, that that's possibly what our anonymous questioner means is when it rains, it pours. <laughs> and that's probably... Uh, sign of that kind of sine wave of the biorhythm experience like all three of our biorhythms might be at the very bottom and that's when things just seem to pile on us the other thing i had in mind was a more general comment about uh, what we've been discussing just about interpretation of catalyst and that's just something i wanted to share that i read kind of recently in a book that i've been reading uh, by a man named sam harris who on his own would probably think that the material we're discussing is very ridiculous, but he has uh, some great spiritual information in his writing, and one thing he said that I really liked was about pain being uh, very influenced by our own uh, context and perspective to that pain. He said that if we experienced the soreness of our muscles and the burning of our muscles that we do experience when we exercise, if we experienced that otherwise, like if it were the result of an illness, it would seem like one of the worst experiences in the world, this just intense burning and intense pain. But to people who exercise and uh, seek out that pain as a form of growth, it's actually a sort of pleasurable pain for them. It's a pleasurable experience to have that pain in their lives because they know that it's coming from a place of growth and that it is uh, going to be utilized and uh, essentially help them on their path of trying to be stronger and more healthy. And so I think that is a sort of similar perspective as what we've been talking about in the raw quote that Gary gave, in that these experiences can be seen as an opportunity rather than something that is just bad that's happening to us. If we just look at them as a challenge to overcome and become stronger. Good point. Yeah, great quote, Sam Harris. Yeah. And uh, thank you both, Austin and Jim, for your thoughts. Um, that makes a lot of sense regarding the sine wave sort of movement of catalysts and that things do come in clusters because I've experienced both ends of that spectrum, um, a combination of seemingly positive uh, events and then uh, when it rains, it pours. Yeah. Okay, moving along to our next question. <clears throat> Uh, I will break up this question into two and just ask the first part right now. Would truly living the law of one message mean that there is no need to fight against negativity? We'll shuffle up the order and start with Austin. What are your thoughts, Austin? Well, my answer kind of incorporates the entire question. <laughs> oh, in which case, 
I guess uh, we can read the whole thing. Were you about to say something, Jim? No. I thought I heard uh, you're prepping for talk. (laughs) Just breathing. (laughs) (laughs) Following, um, or rather, the complete question continues. That would essentially mean skipping fourth density, which is, quote, the only density besides your own, which, lacking the wisdom to refrain from battle, sees the necessity of the battle, end quote. Does this indicate that this material, the law of one, is indeed intended mostly for a fifth or sixth density true origin readership? From down here, this looks a paradox, since here the fourth density is yet to begin. All right, Austin, what do you got? I really appreciate this question because I think there are some parts of the Law of One that are sometimes interpreted as implying that honoring free will to the extent of not protecting other selves is a more advanced spiritual response to harmful situations. And I think that uh, even discussing this from a third density standpoint is difficult, even for wanderers who come from higher densities. It's just a difficult concept to really get at from the third density mind. Um, Ra mentions in session 33, question 11, the impulse to protect the loved other self is one which persists through the fourth density, a density abounding in compassion. More than this, we cannot and need not say. And so it seems a natural thing in third density to attempt to protect a loved one. And I don't think that Ra is saying that this is wrong to do so, even if they do hint that this activity may not be present in higher densities. And this implies at the point of harvestability into fourth density, an entity may not have this point of view, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But that doesn't mean that we can't work with these types of lessons within third density. Ra hints a few times that we can continue learning lessons beyond the point of harvestability. And I think it's likely that wanderers may be working on more advanced and nuanced balancing than a third density entity moving into fourth density. And more directly, Ra references how an entity may program catalyst into their life. In session 33, question 9, Don asked, I'm assuming that if an entity is polarized strongly enough in his thought, in a positive sense, defensive action is not going to be necessary for him because the opportunity to apply defensive action will never originate for him. Is this correct? And Ra says, this is unknowable. In each case, as we have said, an entity able to program experiences may choose the number and intensity of lessons to be learned. It is possible that an extremely positively oriented entity might program for itself situations testing the ability of self to refrain from defensive action even to the point of the physical death of self or other self. This is an intensive lesson and uh, the quote goes on but it's not really relevant. So this is an intensive lesson. Um, So I think that it's important in that quote to realize that these are things that might be programmed into our lives to test us in certain ways, but that doesn't mean that uh, we have to follow Ra's implication that higher densities don't do this to lead a more spiritual life. I think that that might be coming up on a concept called spiritual bypassing, where we kind of ignore present catalyst to attempt to rise above where we are and uh, be more advanced and be more spiritual than we are 
really ready for and we ignore our current distortions our current lessons things that are right in front of us and if we have an honest and spontaneous desire to protect a loved other self from harm then i think that it is wise and the proper thing to do to act upon that and i don't think that ra is saying that that's a wrong thing to do because higher densities wouldn't do that I think that Ra is simply kind of giving a map of the path to come and showing that, you know, later on you might be at this point of the path, but uh, we're all on different parts of that path. We all have different lessons, and we might be at a point where it's appropriate for us to protect other selves. And so uh, in that sense, I don't necessarily think that the material is only for those of fifth or sixth density origin. I think that Ra gives many tools to help us understand how we react and balance our reactions and uh, live a fuller, more spiritual life uh, without attempting to strive for some sort of moral, uh, moral code that Ra might be seen as have, having handed down through their example of higher densities. Well said. Um, Jim, how about you? Um, I think there's a significant difference between uh, protecting other selves against negativity and fighting against negativity. Now, I realize that there are apparently fourth-density positively-oriented entities that are engaged in this battle of Armageddon that is being fought at this moment that has the... uh, benefit of keeping annihilation from occurring on our third density planet, which I think is a pretty good reason. Um, but in general, for us here in third density, I think that we need not to be engaged in fighting. If you engage in trying to match your power against negativity, you're going to lose <laughs> because your power <laughs> is based upon seeing all as one. And if you start separating yourself from another and battling him in some sense, you're entering into the negative entity's battleground. That's his bailiwick. That's where he lives, and he's going to win. So when we were suffering or experiencing uh, psychic greetings or what are usually called psychic attacks, we discovered that the, the best way for us to handle it was in the meditative state to send love and light to whatever form the attack or the greeting was taking send that love and light also to the one who was sending it to us. And then to surround ourselves with an armor of light. So that would be the protection part, uh, sending uh, love and light to those of us that we wanted to protect. And also sending love and light to uh, those who wanted to attack us. So I think that that type of protection is, is totally um, not just possible, but uh, necessary in many cases. Uh, wherever there is light being produced by spiritual seekers, that light is seen in the metaphysical planes as a power, and it attracts uh, entities of a negative nature, must like a flame attracts a moth at night. And they wish either to control the light, or if they can't control it, then to put it out. So you do have to have some means of dealing with this energies, and I think that uh, being of a positive nature and sending love and light, and providing yourself with that same love and light as an armor, is the best way we found to handle it. What do you think, Gary? I love that you said bailiwick. <laughs> I've never <laughs> heard that said out loud before. Um, and I loved your thoughts also about not playing the negative entities game because you're going to lose. It's, it's um, <clears throat> not your path. 
And uh, Austin, I agree with you entirely that uh, Ra offered a map um, and described the path that is to come in general broad terms for the positively oriented entity. And you can only be where you are and there's no need to um, be above where you are. In terms of the way this question was phrased from Anonymous asking about the entity who is, quote unquote, living the law of one, I'll jump off from that phrase and say to someone who has fully realized the law of one, whether in this density or, or uh, in subsequent densities, um, which is another way to say someone who has become fully self-realized, I don't think it's possible that such a one can be in conflict, either with another or within themselves. Um, they see everything as self, as one. Uh, more deeply, they are one with everything. There is nothing but one. There is no second. And there is no possibility of not being one with all of life. Um, the mentality of conflict can only arise within an entity, uh, much like us, uh, whose consciousness is anchored in separation and individual identity, whereas someone who has become the law of one has dissolved that separation. Now, there does seem to be a mechanical definition of fighting or conflict in terms of two diametrically opposed wills or intentions seeking diametrically opposed outcomes in relationship to each other. Um, and this scenario came to mind as a potential way to examine that dynamic. Um, you have, there's a self-realized being um, living in a village and a negative entity or a group of negative people uh, seeks to burn the village and everyone in it. Does the positive entity walk away and say, I am one with these negative entities and cannot resist their will? I, th that is unknowable, of course. Um, but in general, I don't think so. I think the positively oriented entity can still say no and can still draw a boundary without any loss to the awareness of oneness with all things. And thus, perhaps that entity may take defensive or protective measures to ensure the safety of the village. However, in that particular scenario, the positive, perfectly balanced, and fully self-realized being <clears throat> would presumably uh, not feel any separation with the attackers, but only feel, as Ra described, a, quote, finely tuned compassion and love which sees all things as love. Um, such this um, somebody with this depth of realization and awareness may take the necessary practical steps to draw the boundary but never separates from the attackers in awareness uh, but rather fully completely and unconditionally loves and accepts those attackers as being the same self that they are uh, being the same self as um, all things are there's only one self and on to the second part of his question about um, the law of one material itself, I tend to think that this philosophy isn't necessarily catered for third density entities seeking graduation into fourth density. The law of one material contains that level of understanding too, but the law of one material goes far beyond the teachings of love which aid an entity in becoming harvestable for fourth density. Uh, 
the density origin of the intended audience and or the audience who will be attracted to this information, I can only speculate. I imagine that it may resonate for those uh, with a spectrum of placement and origin on the evolutionary timeline. But in the main, I think those seeking more advanced information, relatively speaking, of course, uh, are those for whom this material will make sense. Um, Before turning to uh, Austin and Jim, I wanted to um, thank you, our anonymous friend, um, for submitting all these great questions. Uh, Austin or Jim, do you have any further thoughts on his question? Nope, I'm I'm all done. Yeah, there's a neat distinction, I think, that was made between you and I of this idea of a person truly living the law of one. And I think there could be two ways to look at that. And the way that you sort of examined it was somebody who has realized the law of one and how they would respond to a situation like that. And another way to look at that is somebody who might have dedicated themselves to a path of learning the law of one, but is still doing the work to get there. And Jim mentioned a quote in reference to our last question where Ross says the key to balance may then be seen in the unstudied, spontaneous, and honest response of entities towards experiences, thus using experience to the utmost, then applying the balancing exercise and achieving the proper attitude for the most purified spectrum of energy center manifestation. So an unstudied, spontaneous response to your scenario might be to protect the village and uh, stop the entities from burning everybody inside. Or perhaps the unstudied and spontaneous response is to uh, not do that. And I think to not take action in our culture might be seen as a pretty big evil in itself. And it might be a very ripe thing to contemplate whether or not we would uh, feel okay with ourselves for not taking action in a situation like that. Um, but Rod does seem to hint that this desire to protect an other self from harm may not uh, persist, or we might program a lesson into our lives where our uh, reaction would be to not respond to a situation like that. And it is probably a very individual thing what kind of lessons we program into our lives and how we would respond to those. But I just thought that was a useful distinction to make about living the law of one in his question. Yeah, I think that's a really helpful uh, distinction in terms of um, those who have successfully realized the law of one and those who, like us, are um, presumably uh, on the path to living the law of one in a dedicated fashion. And I tend to invoke examples or attempt to examine examples of those who have those who are maybe purer or more perfect representations of self-realization as a sort of ideal to see what the goal is or maybe goal being a sort of misnomer in the ultimate context anyway. But to kind of get a sense of where we're headed, what are we working towards, what um, are the ideals that are um, defining and motivating this path. But tying that into the second part of what you said um, – Uh, regarding spontaneous and unstudied and honest response. I agree entirely. We can't um, 
we have to respond from a place of our own learning and um, our own depth rather than take any particular example or anything that anybody or any book said and then superimpose it over our experience and say, well, the law of one says that we should respond this way, so um, I'm going to let this village burn or I'm going to do the opposite (laughs) because, you know, uh, this is what the law of one said. It's not my actual response, but I think I should be acting this way. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I agree with you entirely. That's a, a way of um, stifling or repressing the self and not actually polarizing positively. Guys, I think we are um, reaching our conclusion. Do you have any further thoughts on that question? I do not. Nope. All right. I will turn it over to Jim. Well, we want to thank everybody once again for listening, for sending in questions, for sending your love and light to this direction. We want you to know it's coming right back at you. We love you so much. And you might send a little love and light to Gary and Trish as they travel on their vacation this coming week. They're going to be in the high Rockies hiking and having to deal with grizzly bears and mountain (laughs) passes and things. (laughs) Good luck with the grizzly bears, Gary. (laughs) Try not to die. (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much Jim fortunately uh, black bears only I don't know if I have the nerve to back at your hike in places like Yellowstone where there are actual grizzlies it gives me sends chills up my spine you've been listening to LL Research's weekly podcast in the now if you've enjoyed the show please visit our websites llresearch.org and bringforth.org Thanks so much for listening, and a special thank you to those who submitted questions. If you'd like to send us a question, please read the instructions on our page at www.llresearch.org podcast. New episodes are published to the archive website every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, with the exception, if you're listening currently to this episode, um, we will be on hiatus for two weeks. As Jim mentioned, I will be up in the Rockies backcountry hiking and exploring some of the natural beauty uh, that's available to us in this country. Have a wonderful week and we'll talk with you next time. <laughs>